Go wild with Nation Gear's end of regular season merch madness sale. Nation Gear is offering our favorite fans 20% off all regular season merch. And we're going to give you free shipping on any orders over $200. Stock up your closet for the playoffs. Rep your team and grab that merch you've been eyeing up all season long. Don't wait. This sale only lasts from April 1st until April 7th. Shop the sale at nationgear.ca. Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. This is the Puck Poolies podcast with Matt Larkin and Stephen Ellis. Hello, everybody. And for the first time ever, I am saying welcome to Puck Poolies. It's Matt Larkin here, managing editor and senior writer at Daily Faceoff, joined by my colleague, Stephen Ellis, associate editor and prospect analyst at Daily Faceoff. And we are launching a new fantasy hockey podcast literally right now, right the second it's beginning. We're really excited. We're going to be doing this every week for you. We're going to have lots of fantasy advice on waiver pickups. We're going to take your questions. We're going to talk about prospects. We're going to tell you about our own teams as well because we want you to know that we're in this together. We're fighting the good fight with you, and it's going to be a lot of fun. We're going to have guests. It's going to be a blast. And we may as well start this episode, Stephen, the way we start every episode, the way we're going to, which is talk about our team. So for our new listeners, maybe some old listeners that used to follow us over at the Hockey News, Tell us a little bit about how your fantasy hockey team is doing right now. So I'm in a couple of leagues. The one that I'm most focused on and one I'll probably mention the most is my four team uh, league. And yeah, it sounds stupid, four teams, but it's all like close friends. We've had it for a long time and it gets to the point where we get down to the regular season finale and there's four teams that could all still take the championship, uh, which is awesome. And uh, this year, though, it's been a bit different. I've won every matchup until this past week. So if we recorded this last week, I would have had something much happier to say. I finally lost. I lost by about 20 points. Um, we play in a league where th- it was, we kind of just picked the default rules for, for Yahoo, so it was nothing too crazy. And all of our team names are completely strange. Mine's based off of a, a, a Turkish league team, uh, of course. But uh, it, the way when you have these four team leagues, it's like every player's really good. 
So my goalies are like Logan Thompson, Igor Shesterkin, and Ilya Sorokin. That's a pretty good goaltending trio. And I, I picked Thompson at the beginning of the year. This was before he kind of went on this this run mm-hmm. that we're seeing now. And um, But to lose that, that last week, it was just kind of like some of the guys, like I needed Elias Pettersson to have a good final day, and he instead lost me a lot of points and uh, just kind of needed some points where I didn't get it. But I still got to say that uh, – it, it's it's four league fourteen leagues are actually a lot of fun if you get a chance to be in something that small because again every player is essentially a star. It's so weird, weirdest fantasy league out there, which makes it fun because you'll be hearing every week a little quick update at the beginning about how Steven's strange team is doing. My team is doing okay. I went for it all. I was all in last year in my keeper league, so I'm sort of picking up the pieces now. I had no first round pick. I've started slowly, but I'm I'm making some moves. I made a trade with my dad on his birthday. People think that I robbed him on his birthday. I gave him Kevin Fiala because he had Patrick Kane and Taylor Hall, whose contracts were expiring. So I'm I'm all in again. I'm always all in every year. I find a way to reload. So I'm slowly rising. And Michael Wubble, Canadian singer, is in first place in our league, the bastard, <laughs> which is annoys me super competitive. But right now he's in first place. So now let's shift the focus to people listening who are hoping to get into first place. So Stephen, let's introduce our first segment that you'll get on every episode. For sure. So we're going to start with the shallow league pickups of the week. And this is uh, something where, you know, there's players that uh, I believe the criteria is players that are under 30% rostered on Yahoo. Yeah. In this case, it would be the, the reverse. So shallow league pickup is like under, you know, 70% or more. So guys that are available in very few leagues, but for people who play in the really tiny leagues like Steven, when, where there might be some star players available, that would be this category. So my shallow league pickup of the week for you, everybody is Detroit Red Wings defenseman, Philip Ronick. He's available in 21% of leagues. And it seemed like last year, Moritz Sider kind of nudged Philip Pronick out off that top power play unit, both right shot defensemen, and it almost rendered Pronick an afterthought. But this year, we've seen a bit of a step back in fantasy value for Moritz Sider. I don't think it's going to last. I still have absolute faith in him. But Pronick is back on the top power play unit. He's playing 22 minutes a game. He has 22 points in 24 games. What is going on right now, Stephen, with Philip Pronick? So he's a must pickup. It's crazy that he's available in 21% of leagues. And... I'm not saying he's a safe long-term bet to hold that spot over Cider, but right now you need to have him on your roster. He's a guy that when he kind of first came to the league, I was like, watch what he's doing because he's putting up some pretty decent numbers. Uh, Sure, he was playing on a team that wasn't really doing much and it kind of didn't matter if he got a ton of points if the team wasn't really going to contend for the playoffs but he's been able to maintain this this value for the last couple of years so now i 100 agree on that uh medium league pickups which i'm assuming this is probably closer to what most leagues are like yes for sure it's sort of like your standard public league where there might be some decent players even guys close to a point per game that are available in you know half of yahoo leagues it still feels weird so i'm going to say maddie beneers for this category it almost feels embarrassing to be recommending maddie beneers because of course you have hashtag not in my league twitter out there saying he's not available in my league of course but fact of the matter is he's literally available in 44 percent of leagues almost half so that qualifies him as a medium league pickup believe it or not and it's just the perfect marriage of role, opportunity, pedigree. We know first round pick, of course, second overall to the Seattle Kraken. He's uncontested for the first line center job, or at the very least, top six works. Sometimes he moves around, but he's never leaving that top six. He's got 21 points in 24 games. He's got 30 points in his first 33 games dating back to last year. The Kraken, the last I checked, were top five in, in the league in goals per game. And it's just 
it's insane to me that he's available in almost half of every league out there. It's 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 wild. But to me, that's an easy pickup if you're in a medium, even a shallow league. He should be rostered everywhere. He's he's probably the best, other than maybe Logan Thompson for the Calder Trophy. If you need kind of any other like reason to go get him, given how good Seattle's been, it makes sense. Uh, it will be interesting to see if Shane Wright ends up moving up the lineup. That is a topic that will continue on for us the year. Uh, and the deep league pickup of the week, and this is one where I was not thrilled about this guy at the beginning of the season the way he was playing but it seems like he's kind of starting to pick it up that's right and it's funny the catch 22 with recommending guys like maddie veneers it's like anyone who's listening to this podcast is probably not in a casual league and they probably don't have the possibility of picking up maddie veneers so the deep league pickup is probably the one that's going to matter the most to our readers so i'm going to recommend jack quinn of buffalo sabers he's available in 89 percent of leagues so that's more of a deep league pickup for sure. And what he's doing right now, it's not a fluke at all. So he's got six goals in 20 games, but he got, he's got five and seven points in his last six games. He's really heating up. And of course, you know, Steven is a prospect guy. He was a major goal scorer in junior as an Ottawa 67. And he ripped up the AHL. I don't think he got enough press for how much he dominated the AHL. It's not like he was a point per game player. He had 26 goals, 61 points in 45 games last year in the AHL, which is unbelievable. Drafted in 2020, I believe. And he's on the second line now in Buffalo. He's getting power play to work. But given his long-term goal scoring upside, I wouldn't be surprised eventually if we see him get a look on the first power play unit because that's what he does. He's a goal scorer. So I'm not saying he's going to score five goals every six games for the rest of the season, but I, I do think he's here to stay. And I do think he's going to be an asset in the goals category. So he should be picked up absolutely. That's something where, just to provide more context on kind of Jack Quinn. So he was, when he was drafted, there were a lot of people surprised he was drafted where he was, which was specifically ahead of Marco Rossi, who was his teammate at the Ottawa 67s. And for Quinn, obviously we knew the goal scoring was there and he's been really good there. But the concern was just watching the way he played where he didn't have to play a ton of defense that he wasn't great at it. And, you know, I, I can't say he's still this great defensive forward by any means, but he's not. He doesn't have to. He's putting up the points. He's working with players who can kind of make up for other things like that. And not every single player needs to be perfect defensively. So the fact that Quinn is starting to pick it up, I do think this is a guy who's going to be able to get 30 goals uh, when he's really consistent in the NHL. And Buffalo is a really fun team. Wrote about it a few weeks ago, or this is a group where you're going to want to keep an eye on this because there's a ton of young talent coming up. Let's not forget Rasmus Dahlin, who almost feels like the, the old guy here. And I don't know, let's see, like 22, 23, like he's not that old, uh, but he's been in the league for a bit and he's really established himself. And this is a, a group that I'm thrilled about. And once they figure out who's going to be the long term goalie, or maybe it's a 1A, 1B with a couple of their guys, I think they'll be in good shape. Moving on to my favorite part of this, the WTF pickups of the week. And this is one where uh, he's also still available in my league, too. <laughs> Yeah, the WTF, we know what it stands for and, and what it represents is what are what are we doing? Why is this player available? How is this player available in any leagues? And right now, Vitek Vanacek in the New Jersey Devils, he's available in 17% of leagues. That's impossible. He should be owned in pretty much every league. He is the starting goaltender on the most dominant team in the NHL. Uh, when I last checked the, the rankings last night, he was the number eight goalie in standard formats, Yahoo. He's fifth in the NHL in wins. He has 2.24 goals against average, 918 save percentage. He's the starter for the most dominant team in the league. He should be owned in every league. No more questions, nothing. That's it. Just go pick him up. If you're in any league where he's available, just grab him. Even your four-team league, Stephen. Someone should be rostering Vitek Vanacek. Come on. 
I, I, I picked him up, but then I dropped him because I really needed a, a forward to kind of play that week that night. And I just never picked him back up. And I do have three goalies, so I'm, I think I'm OK. But at one point I did have five goalies and was running with one fewer defenseman and one fewer winger to make that work. Um, but it, it, it was well, I should say that that was last week when I did not win. But uh, it was a pretty aggressive strategy that I probably really wish could have. I thought I was big braining it. And fortunately, it did not work because the guys I picked up just didn't perform. Uh, and this is the tip of the week. You got described as the Roto start uh, Roto stat sorting tool. What does that mean? Okay, so this tip applies to head to head leagues. And I'll give you a little anecdote of how I realized how few people actually know this exists and how it's really important. So I was negotiating a trade with someone and I said, dude, you really need a playmaker. And he said, no, no, I like my goal scores. And I said, dude, you're last in assists. You're first in goals. You don't need more goal scores. That's law of diminishing returns. You already have a huge surplus. You're dead last in assists. How are you going to compete? I'm offering you the league leader in assists. And he said, what do you mean? Well, how do you know? How do you know where I rank in assists? I said, wait, you don't know about the roto stats order? He said, no. And if you play in a Yahoo league, which is the most common format for league, um, the way you find it, it is actually pretty hard to find. If you look at the standings page, there's a little drop down like in the middle of the page. It says current standing. So you can control F if you need to find that, Apple F. Uh, and then you, you hit the drop down. It says head-to-head -head stats. You click head-to-head -head stats, and then you sort it by totals rather than win-loss. And you can see where you rank in every single category of the Roto stats, which is really important. Of course, in Roto leagues, they're already on display. But in head-to-head -head leagues, if you want to have a balanced team, you have to be strong in every Roto category. And that's sort of the, the motto I use is win big, lose small. So if you have a balanced Roto team and you catch a team that doesn't have good balance, you can absolutely destroy them and you can win your match, you know, depending on what your categories are, 12-0, 15-0, 16-0, whatever it is. And if you're strong in every Roto category, it's really hard to get blown out. So you might lose games, you know, 5-4, 7-6. And of course, those in, in most head-to-head -head formats, the wins and losses each week determine your record. So gradually, you can get those huge wins and you can get way, way, way above 500. And then you're on your way. You can start acquiring injured players for later and use your, your uh, lofty perch in the standings to your advantage. But the way to get there is you've got to follow every week. You've got to find out what categories you're dominant in what categories you're weak in, and that will affect what your roster decisions are. But it's just not hard. It's not easy to find just where it is located in Yahoo. It's not on prominent display. And that's why, to my surprise, it took me a while to realize so many other guys in the league or, or women, whoever was playing in our league didn't know that, that that tool even existed. So go find it. It'll really help you. I truly did not know that tool existed. So there you go that's kind of like there you the, go yeah that, see that's... it's crucial i use it all the time to dominate well not always dominate but you know as much as i can your tips just from previous and then now have actually helped me so much in my pool uh and there was one about goal tonight i don't remember what it was they even gave in the past but anyways i uh, i put a big, big focus on winning goalie matchups now and that is something where uh it is very valuable i believe we have a guest coming up I believe we do as well, and he is someone that you know very well if you are in the fantasy hockey community. He has joined the Nation Network. He's working with us. Of course, he has a show covering the Leafs every day with Jay Rosso at 11 a.m., and we're going to be bringing on our buddy Nick Alberga for some fantasy hockey talk right away. Okay, everybody, we are very pleased to be joined by our friend Nick Alberga. Of course, as I mentioned, his show, Leafs Morning Take, which he hosts every weekday, 11 a.m., with Jay Rosehill and Nick, obviously you've been a big voice in the fantasy community for a long time. So it's a, it's a real pleasure to have you on. You're a heavy hitter and you always have really good advice. So 
the first question I, I wanted to ask you on this segment is just something more general. If there's a casual listener out there that's trying to get better at the game, what do you think is the biggest mistake that a casual fantasy owner in hockey pools can make? Well, firstly, thanks for having me. I think Steven's going to like this answer. It's don't reach on goalies in your draft. Okay. We had this conversation in the offseason, Pete Jensen and I on NHL Fantasy on Ice. I'm like, dude, I can't get to the level where I'm ranking a goaltender in the first round. It was Vasilevsky and Shersturkin this year, and it just hasn't gone according to plan. You look at UC Saros as well. So that's my biggest piece of advice. Don't reach on goalies. It's become such a volatile position now in the tandem era. I think it's it's paramount you hit on your first couple picks, or I think your team's in big time trouble. So that would be my answer. See, it's funny you say that because I'm looking at my stats here, and I believe <laughs> Ilya Sorokin, who I picked in the first round or second round, actually was, was my best player. So fair, fair, fair. Sorokin's a guy I handicap. Like he was a guy I was throwing money on a futures floor for the Vesna. I think he's certainly a guy. Like even Thatcher Demko, I'm I'm curious to see what he can do in the second half. But I think you're right. I'm just stating that, like especially when it's the obvious choice, like Sisterkin or Vasilevsky, you just never know what's going to happen. Look at Vasi start. Look at Chesty start, but I think you nailed it with Sorokin, Steven. All right. So um, for my question is, what's the most wrong you've been on a player so far this season? For me, I the, the, the one guy I was definitely wrong on was Thatcher Demko. But what about mm -hmm. you? Yeah, so that's a good one. Um, you know, I, I should preface by saying I'm the king of hot takes. A lot of what I say never comes to fruition. And one of being... I thought Tage Thompson was a fraud, guys. I, I thought he was a, a one-hit wonder. I'm like, Buffalo, what are you doing with that contract? And and to his credit, he's proved me wrong. Like, this has been an exceptional story. Of course, the key return, the key pickup in the Ryan O'Reilly trade with St. Louis a couple years Adam. back. There you go. He's just been absolute money in the bank. And I think especially his, his ADP where he was drafted, he is returning ridiculous value for his fantasy owner. So I was dead wrong on Tage Thompson. That's a good one. And I mentioned already Moritz Sider earlier in the podcast. I, I had a hot take. Like I wrote an article for Daily Faceoff just with deliberate hot takes. And one of them was that Moritz Sider was going to be a top three value in banger formats for defensemen. So that's a swing and a miss. But Nick, <laughs> where are our manners? We're not just going to bring you on the show and force you to diss yourself and, and say something <laughs> you were wrong about on our second question. So I want to turn it around now and say, now it's time to pat yourself on the back. Who are you right about in a big way so far? So number one, Dougie Hamilton, like that's the one guy I was all over going into the season for a bounce back campaign and he's lived up to expectation. I think along those lines, staying in New Jersey, I know the analytics community wasn't crazy about Jack Hughes, but I was projecting a hundred point season and he's right on par with that. He's been incredible. I think moving into next season again, granted it's early. I think he's going to be a, a, a top two rounder, top 20 type pick. So Jack Hughes would be the guy I really, really hit on this season. So we're at a point in the year where we're kind of we're near Christmas. We're near the halfway point of the season. We would just pass the quarter point, but the halfway point will kind of come up here shortly. Uh, who's someone that's kind of not done a lot fantasy wise this year that will make an impact down the stretch? So I'll throw a couple names your way because I do like this question quite a bit. Uh, many who know me in the fantasy world, I love contract years. It was a tough start for the St. Louis Blues. I'm going to Ryan O'Reilly. Um, only time will tell when it comes to the St. Louis Blues what they'll do moving forward. Uh, Jordan Binnington's trying to fight everybody and their mother. I think you should worry about goaltending, quite frankly. <laughs> but Ryan O'Reilly would be the guy in a contract here. I know he's had a slow start, but he's really picked things up as of late. And I think into the second half, I think he could emerge as, say, maybe a top 75, top 60 type fantasy player. So I'd be all over him in terms of Vilo. 
Uh, Jacob Chikrin's another guy. It's not a foregone conclusion at this point in time that he's going to get traded, but obviously he's going to have better value elsewhere than he would have in the desert, especially with Shane Gossespierre there. And a couple other guys that would throw your way, Brock Besser with the Vancouver Canucks. Again, only time will tell on that front what happens. I think he's still a you know, marquee gunsman in this league. I think he can score goals, and I think a change of scenery could do him well. And lastly, Andre Kopitar is a guy I was really, really high on going into this season, the attachment to Kevin Fiala. I know he started to pick things up as of late, but I do truly feel like he can be a top 50 fantasy player. So I'm all over those four guys. I like those names, Nick. And I, I really like the, the mentioning of Brock Besser. He, he's someone who I always say it's amazing. He doesn't have a 30-goal season to his name because of injuries and injury-shortened seasons because he's such a great shooting talent. I remember talking to him in his rookie season, and he said he he practiced as a kid, like shooting around targets to to gain the skill of just being able to get that shot off from anywhere, even when it looks like he's covered. It's just you see 40 goals in that stick. So I'd love to see if he gets traded with a really great puck distributor, you could have a, a league winner down the stretch. So I love that pick and love the insight, Nick. Of course, I expect nothing less. We really appreciate you coming on for this inaugural show. We will have you back on. Absolutely. If you're willing to come back and, and chat some more with us, my friend. For sure. Once again, congratulations. And uh, thanks so much for having me on guys. Thanks, Nick. And before we let you go, what do you want to plug? I always like to give everybody a chance to plug what they got going on. We mentioned Leafs sure. Morning Take. What else do you have out there? Yeah, Leafs Morning Take every day at 11 a.m. Eastern time alongside former Leaf Jay Rosehill writing for the LeafsNation.com. And I guess I'll plug my fantasy podcast since this is a fantasy podcast, NHL Fantasy on Ice, um, available wherever you get your podcasts and on YouTube myself alongside Pete Jensen. Excellent. Pete Jensen, great guy. Maybe someone will try and get on this show as well. Yeah. Thanks, Nick. Thanks, guys. Well, thanks a lot to Nick Alberger for coming on. He's going to be a regular on this show, giving you fantasy tips and advice. We'll be mixing in other celebrity guests, but you have not heard the last or seen the last of Nick. He'll be coming on some other times for us to help us out. And Stephen, now let's move on to your bread and butter, which is prospects. This is going to be another weekly segment where you give the readers an update on someone, maybe in a dynasty league, maybe you're sort of scouring for future pickups you can stash. But who is a prospect you have your eye on right now that could have some fantasy relevance coming down soon? Well, I'm going to go with Dustin Wolf of the Calgary Flames. Uh, he's playing with the Calgary Wranglers right now. And this is someone where you just, I was such a huge believer of him when he was drafted with one of the last picks in the 2019 draft. He was a seventh round pick. Um, but I think the thing here to keep in mind is Calgary, they do have their goalies right now. And they're paying a lot of money for Jacob Markstrom to be a lot better than he is right now. But right now, he's not playing great. And if you're the Calgary Flames, you might have to look at kind of what your options are here. If your goal to, goalies are not getting the job done, do you bring in Dustin Wolf and kind of hope that he can go out there and win you a couple of games? All he's pretty much ever done in his entire career is win. He was one of the best goalies we've seen in a long time in the WHL. He was in his first year in the AHL. He was the top goalie. This year, he might do it again. Dustin Dukarski might have something to say about that, but Dustin Wolf, it's a good time to be named Dustin in the AHL. Dustin Wolf is looking fantastic for the Calgary Anglers, which is one of the more fun teams to watch in the league this year. I think if you're looking for a long-term goalie option, this is a guy that if you're, unless you're looking at someone who's really, or you're playing against people who really focus on prospects, they might not know much about him. And goalies can be valued completely differently in different leagues. But if you're in a keeper league, I do think Dustin Wolf is worth keeping an eye on because while, the goalie situation is is determined for now and determined for next year, meaning we might not see Wolf for another two years. I still think there's a way that he does fight his way and play some games. Maybe he ends up becoming the backup at some point next year. Um, 
he's a guy that I, I don't think Calgary's going to want to sit on unless they really don't believe in him because he is a smaller goalie and I believe he's six foot. Uh, but I think that this is. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one of a kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you found the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. Someone where if you value young goalie prospects, he's one of the best in the game right now. And uh, there's a few really good ones. There's Askarov, there's there's Wallstead. But I think if you're looking at a guy who's probably closer to being NHL ready, it might be Dustin Wolf. And I think that's someone you want to make, uh, take a jump on right now if you can. Yeah, I'm with you all the way. I think Wolf's a really intriguing prospect. He's been he's quite a story just based on where he was drafted and quite an underdog story. And I know uh, on Daily Faceoff, uh, our insider buddy Frank Cervalli, he wrote, earlier this year about some uh it was one i think it was when the leafs had matt murray and Elias samson off hurt he was writing a story about potential trade options and he did list dan, is it, it's dan vladash that's how you pronounce his last name right yes. in calgary it's not vladder and he did list vladash as a possibility for a trade and i think the reason why he's someone the teams could look at down the road is because the flames know they have that backup option to take his place in, in dustin wolf so i wouldn't be surprised to see vladash traded in real life maybe this offseason something like that and that would allow wolf to sort of form a tandem with jacob markstrom so i'm with you all the way uh i think it's time for questions if i believe Stephen. but you tell me what's next it is it is time for questions and we're going to start off with someone that we both have uh We've discussed a lot of these questions from uh, Ranton and Raven in the past. Um, this one is, when someone loses the starter's crease, at what point do you consider dropping them? Let's consider Jacob Markstrom, Jack Campbell, Thatcher Demko, for an example. Well, it's good to have you back, Ranton and Raven. Always one of our number one question askers on previous podcasts. So it's great to see Ranton and Raven following us over to this new one. Great to have you. Uh, so, yeah, it depends. In this situation, if if the league has a deep bench, then I don't consider dropping that sort of established starter who's struggling. I'll just stash them and hope they turn it around. Um, especially if you look at, at someone like Markstrom, who has a major established pedigree as a starter. You know, he was second in the Vezina Trophy vote last year. I don't think you want to be too hasty. If he's in a slump, you want to have a long leash. And also, you know, with the exception of Cal Peterson, um, money talks. So if there's a goaltender who's struggling, but he's got a big AAV, a big commitment, I don't think a team's going to want to back out of him really quickly. So that applies to Jack Campbell. 
that's a pretty large contract. He just signed $5 million man. And I just can't see Edmonton bailing on him this quickly. And I saw that was a take that was out there. I think it was, it might've been on Oilers Nation, just whether the Oilers would ever consider doing a, a Cal Peterson with Jack Campbell. But I think it's too soon for that. The exception is if, if your league doesn't have bench spots, which my main league doesn't, we sort of make it hardcore where it's like, no, you, you can't stash goalies. You start your goalies. That's the way it is. Um, then you have to be a bit more ruthless because if there's a goalie who's just not playing and you have to keep him in the starting spot or, or he's struggling and he's in a starting spot, it could really hurt you. If he's struggling, he could bring your rate stats down. If he's not playing, he hurts you in the volume categories. And then I think you have to be a, a little bit more ruthless. An example would be, let's say, if you had Philip Grubauer at the start of this year and you see Martin Jones is out playing him. Well, it's not like Grubauer's grip on the job was so strong. So that would be an example where I'd say, okay, go ahead and have a quick hook, cut Philip Grubauer. I just don't think you do it with someone like a Jacob Markstrom or Thatcher Demko. Demko a bit different because there's an injury, but Jacob Markstrom, when he's struggling right now, far too soon to give up on him. I think if you look at like Demko and you look at Markstrom, those are two, I think, with a bit of a deeper pedigree. And I, I say that knowing that Demko hasn't been in the league that long, but those two have a lot more starter potential than I think Jack Campbell did because Campbell played most of one season as a starting goalie. And that was kind of it. So you kind of question when you look at that deal, you got to wonder how viable was it really? And I think you're looking at Toronto and they're thinking like, wow, great. We are so glad we moved on from that. But it's like, was this kind of the real Jack Campbell? And that's the question. But then with Jacob Markstrom, we know when he gets hot, he gets hot. And he has had these slumps in the past. In Vancouver, there were some times where we're wondering, like, is he a starting goalie? And then he would go out there and be the team's MVP. So I think he could do that again here in Calgary. And I, I do think uh, I still have high hopes for Demko. I'm not too worried about them. Obviously, they're not playing great right now. But it's like it's you look at the teams and uh, Vancouver last night, like the game against Montreal, seven to six. Demko wasn't there. And they still <laughs> played a game that was as silly as that one. So it kind of shows you it's more than just a goaltender. Yeah, sure. Markstrom and Demko in particular are not going out there winning games for their teams, but the teams they're playing with are not helping them. Yeah, it's so true. And and with Jack Campbell, one thing I worried about going into the season was, you know, people said, well, he can handle the pressure of Toronto. He can handle Edmonton. That's a step down in pressure. But I, I don't think it is. I think, yes, Toronto is a pressure cooker market. But if you look at historically, I think that Edmonton, you can make a case, is the hardest market to play in in the entire NHL. It's just for some reason the nature of the relationship between the media and the players there, it tends to be more contentious. It always has been. And we've heard guys like, I think it was Taylor Hall or Jordan Eberle, whoever it was in the previous generation, talking about that. There's been a history. We know we saw you know, Leon, Leon Dreisaitl in the pissy incident last year. There just is more of a negative relationship there between players and media from what I've seen. And that's why I thought, you know what? I don't know if Edmonton's an easier market to play in for Jack Campbell. It could be tougher. And here we are. And obviously, he's struggling with the space between his ears. So I don't know if that's why, but it could be a possibility. Every year that Connor McDavid and Leon Draisaitl don't win the Stanley Cup, I feel like there's more pressure. And whether that's fair or not, you know, there's there's more players on that team than those two that you got to worry about. Uh, I think, that, yeah, this is a pressure market, and it's a dedicated fan base. Next question comes from Nick, and he asks, who's likely Culp to keep an eye on? Good question, Nick. It's always good to be stashing call-ups. Um, of course, there's an article on the website right now on Daily Faceoff where Stephen talks about some other Flames prospects. So that's Connor Zary, Matthew Phillips, and Jacob Pelleche. 
all of them are dominating with the Wranglers, and you never know if one or all three of them could get called up soon. Um, but the one that I'm looking at closer is Lucas Reichel in Chicago. I actually thought he was going to make the team this year. They decided to give him more AHL seasoning. I don't think he actually had that much left to prove down there, but I guess they just want to slow play him. Or maybe they want to tank. They didn't want too much skill in their lineup. Uh, but if you look at the direction in which the Blackhawks are going, they're going to be picking that roster clean. I think Patrick Kane will be traded. Jonathan Taves will probably be traded. Andreas Athanasiu, Max Domi, they're going to pillage that roster uh, later in the season, I think. And that will open up the door for Lucas Reichel to get some major minutes, I think, at some point this year. He's been looking great in the AHL again, over a point per game. And he is probably their their number one forward prospect he's up there of course they added some more in the draft this past year but i do think he's at worst you know top two or three among their forward prospects um and i think he's ready he's going to get a look later this year so he was some he's someone that i'd stash soon because I, I think the call-up could happen really any day now it could happen tomorrow it could happen in three months but it will happen before the season is up there's one guy that I'll say, Christian Wolanin, not exactly a fantasy darling by any means uh, as a depth defenseman in Vancouver, but I feel like he's kind of played his way into the spot where he's got to be back in the NHL. He's playing way too well to, to be in the AHL. He's playing for Abbotsford, and he's he's eighth in league scoring, and he's a defenseman, and that's kind of nuts. I don't Again, don't think he's going to be this fantasy guy that gets you a lot of points in the NHL, so I, I don't think you worry about him. But I do also think from a fantasy perspective, keep an eye on Alex Steves, uh, Toronto Marley's player. I know Nick's very familiar with him, and uh, Steves is a guy that has truly like just taken the the fact that Nick Robertson's not there and Pontus Holmberg's not there and, and, and made the most of it, and he's one of the top scorers uh, on the Toronto Marley's, one of the top scorers in the AHL this year. He's over a point per game, and um, he's someone where from watching him at his early rookie camp stuff, I thought, like, when this guy makes a Leafs, he's going to be there for a while, and I think he can play a lot of roles to the point where I wouldn't be surprised if he's challenging for a top six, and this is a guy that, you know, he went the college route, uh, was not an immediate success by any means, but I would not I wouldn't ignore him at this point. I don't know how much fantasy value he has, but I feel like the minute he gets with the Leafs, he's not going back down. That's my guess. Mm -hmm. It's a the good point, question. especially too, just before you get to the next one, like there's been a bit of a revolving door uh, with the Leafs just trying to fill out those wing spots. What in some, you know, Michael Bunting hasn't been sticking on the top line every single night. There's been injuries here and there that has shaken that group up. You've seen Nick Robertson getting looks on the first or second line. So anybody who gets called up has a chance to, to play in that top six. Exactly. All right. This question comes from JPW. Uh, here's a keep five bugger competitive 14 team head to head bangers league with 20 man rosters. There's a bunch of stats. You can see them on the bottom. Keep five McKinnon, Tavares, Thompson, Brady Kachuk, Robertson. I'm going to assume it's uh, Jason, uh, Kale McCarr and Elias Sorokin. Yeah. Okay. And I assume that the Thompson is Tage Thompson and not Logan Thompson because he's listed forwards at the beginning. Um, so it looks like there are a lot of different stat categories here that are listed and there's shots, face-offs one. And I know he mentions that his league has a lot of uh, points awarded for face-offs one. So I sort of went through his stat categories to try and get the the answer uh, here. And I think, I, I think I've, uh, I've come to it, although Nathan McKinnon, of course, hurt Monday night. But again, keeper league, I'm not too worried about that. So if your league, JPW, uh, is really goalie dependent then Ilya Sorokin there's your first keeper that's easy done um you need hits and shots because you have a hits and shots league banger format then Brady Kachuk is an absolute must 
So he's kept. There's another keeper. There's two. Jason Robertson is a superstar right now. Second in the league in scoring or, or third now, I think, behind Leon Dreisaitl. That's a must-keep as well. There's three. Kale McCarr, the best fantasy defenseman on the planet. That's another one to keep. That's a must-keep. There's four. I think the fifth player is the toughest decision, but I think you still have to go with Nathan McKinnon just for the shots upside. And, of course, you want face-offs one. So McKinnon is my fifth. I thought about Tage Thompson, but I think you can't go wrong with McKinnon. Even though he gets hurt, he still, even if he plays like 60 games a year, he still gets 90 points in those 60 games. So those would be my five. It would be Sorokin, Kachuk, Robertson, Makar, McKinnon. All right. Next question to go back to the goalie conversation is from Ryan Jackson. Based on what you're seeing, do you think Spencer Martin ends up becoming Vancouver's starter even after Demko returns? Demko went from fantasy god to fantasy zero. Well, Martin seems to have some budding potential. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So Ryan, I'm not, I'm not seeing what you're seeing. I mean, we saw last night was a bit of a, a, bar, a barn burner for the Canucks, but I even was looking at your question before that game and Spencer Martin's 27. Uh, he's never really been able to threaten even to just stick in the NHL, let alone challenge for a starting job until this season, right? This is his first year really sticking in the NHL at all. Um, and Demko, he's the starter of the present. He's the starter of the future. And just the way he's paid, he's supposed to be the guy for Vancouver. Obviously, he's just a season removed from being, I think he was, you could argue, a top three goalie in the league last year. So it has been a really disappointing start. But like I said earlier in the show, money talks. The Canucks have invested too much money in him to give up on him. And even in the worst case scenario, if you want to be a conspiracy theorist and say that Thatcher Demko's on the trade block, well, then you're going to want to play him to showcase him as well. You don't want him riding the pine because that sort of sends a message of, about how you feel about him and that can hurt his trade value. So I don't see any scenario in which Spencer Martin steals the job from Thatcher Demko right now. Um, it, his save percentage too for his career, it's, it's, I think it was going into last night, it was maybe just above 900. It was nothing that really popped. So he hasn't shown any flashes to me that would make me worry about Demko. So he, he actually has a pretty solid record over his NHL career. But like he said, he's 27, doesn't have a ton of games to his credit, uh, and his advanced stats are not fantastic by any means. And I was, I like Spencer Martin. I've watched him play basically since he was a teenager, um, being from Oakville. And uh, I, I was kind of surprised Vancouver decided to go with him as the backup goalie, to be honest. I thought they were going to go for an upgrade. So the fact that they went with him, and yeah, he was great last year in Abbotsford, but um, I, I, that didn't seem like that was the answer. So uh, I was a little surprised, but, you know, he's having a good year. So good for him. Uh, this is from Dirk Jones. Thinking about Kochekov in my keeper league, I have Freddie Anderson and Carter Hart have to drop one of them regardless, but can drop both. Do you like Kochekov as a potential number one? I do. I do really like what I've seen uh, from him so far. And I like his situation in Carolina because Frederick Anderson and Antti Ranta are both pending UFAs and Carolina just re-signed Kachekov, right? So they basically they sent a message. You are one of our two goalies next year and beyond. At best, they're going to keep just one of Frederick Anderson and Antti Ranta. So already just in the competition between those three guys, Kachekov has the leg up and Carolina has already committed to him. So that bodes really well. Unlike the Hurricanes, though, I don't think you have to make the decision to commit to Kachekov now. Like Carolina, he's only played 12. He has 12 career games in the regular season, and it's already been a few weeks, right, since Carolina signed him. The, the sample mm -hmm. size was so tiny. So you don't have to do what they did. You don't have to say, decide right now, Dirks, I'm keeping Kachekov. Just let the season play out. Let that sample size grow. See if he's able to beat them out. Anderson and Ranta to become the starter, and then you can make your decision. But overall, if I had to make the call right now, 
I'm pretty interested in Kachekov, especially because with Freddie Anderson as a pending UFA, we don't know where he's going to go. What if he signs with a bad team and then he's in a bad situation next year, right? So you got to be careful depending on when your league's keeper deadline is. I've been in leagues with the deadlines really early because that's part of the fun that you have. You don't know where he's going to go, which is pretty brutal. Like it's better if the deadline's after free agency, but every league is different. Either way, I'd say liking the potential so far. Uh, and it's not like Carolina's system is absolutely loaded in net, uh, but you can correct me if I'm wrong, Stephen, but I, I think that there's a good path for Kachekov to become a long-term starter there on a team that's consistently really good and really good defensively. So yeah, I'm a fan. So I like him a lot and, and getting to watch him play last year in the AHL, I thought he was very good. The, the thing is he's always played on really good teams and that's not his fault, but you know, you look at what Ranta and you look at what Anderson specifically were able to do last year. You look at Kochekov this year. I don't look at what Kochekov did in the NHL. And it's like he always played on quite competitive teams. So I still am very wary to go all in on him right now, given he hasn't played a lot of games. But uh, at least the sample size is good. You can't argue that. But he's kind of always just played on really good teams. And I feel like that, for a goalie, can maybe be misleading when it comes to stats. And yeah, oh, he's winning a lot of games. Yeah, but he's also playing on a team with good support. Uh, he played on a very good AHL team that won the championship last year, things like that. So um, I'm, I'm still a little, not totally on the full bandwagon yet, but I do think he's got starter potential. That's no question. And I think that that's a good thing for Carolina to have when they're trying to figure out what their goalie situation is going to be long-term. Next question, uh, I believe our last question actually comes from Daryl Squire. Uh, which Leafs goalie do you like for the rest of the season? Samsonov or Murray? He already has Shusterkin. Yeah, that is so tough. And that's been a sort of back and forth battle between the two of them. And admittedly, going into the season, I thought it might have been a battle of who could be less bad. <laughs> but they've actually both been two of the best goaltenders in the league when healthy, which is making Kyle Dubas, of course, look like a genius. Um, and I've kind of gone full circle to what I said at the beginning of the season because both goalies got hurt. Both goalies are back now. And at the beginning of the season, I said I liked Matt Murray in the short term and Ilya Samsonov long term. And I've, I've sort of come back to that um, because I do think the Leafs seem to treat Murray as the starter when they're both healthy, when all things are equal. He seems to be getting just a little bit more work than Samsonov. Uh, so right now, I think he's the goalie you want. But long term, I know both goalies have had injury problems, but Murray's a bit older. I think his injury history is a bit more detailed than Samsonov's. So I think uh, Samsonov is a better bet to stay healthy over the course of the season. So I have to, if I had to make the uh, one bet on one goalie to rely on from now until the end of the year, I think Samsonov eventually will take over the crease because I'm expecting Murray. I feel bad. I don't want to say I expect this person to get hurt, but... It's just been a pattern in his career, soft tissue injuries. So I am, I wouldn't be surprised if he gets hurt again. So I'm going to say Samsonov long-term, Matt, Matt Murray short-term. Okay, now it's time to introduce a segment that I love. I guess I'm just tooting my own horn because I made this up. <laughs> but we call it the starting lineup. And it's a challenge which we will issue to each other every week to create a fantasy lineup out of something that isn't hockey-related. So six of something. And for anyone listening or watching, we want you to participate. So if you have ideas for starting lineup topics, you can send them our way. And so I'm, I'm at M Larkin Hockey. You can send them to me if you like. And the weirder, the better. There's no such thing as a, as a bad question as long as it's not inappropriate. So we're ready to tackle anything. We're going to start fairly safe for this one with something we know is in Steven's wheelhouse. He is a, a race machine. He loves auto racing, any forms of racing. He loves to race himself. So Steven, I'm going to ask you, for your first starting lineup of Puck Poolies, tell me your 
top six Formula One drivers of all time? Well, I'll just preface this by this. I'm a huge racing fan, F1. Not near the, my top of my list, mostly because they spend bazillions of dollars, and for some reason they can't make cars that pass. But I have still followed it throughout my entire life. So I want to start with number six being Max Verstappen. And I know that's a lot of projection right now, but I think that the fact he started off so strong in his career uh, is huge. And then he's followed up by back to back championships with one of the most dominant seasons we've seen in a long time. And last year, he did have to punch above his weight the way that Mercedes was looking so good and, and Red Bull was always there. But I think Verstappen really got a lot more out of the car than we expected. And I think this is someone who's going to go out there. He's going to get five plus championships. Maybe. Maybe he breaks the record all time. Number five, I'm going to go with Alan Prost. Uh, you know, he's if you've seen the movie Senna, um, there's a great it, it's a, one of the one of my favorite things on uh, Netflix. It's just so well done from a storytelling perspective. Uh, and Alan Prost is kind of like the, the villain in there. Uh, he, he was just so good. He won a quarter of the races he raced in. But once he retired, so I guess this is not F1. He went and did some. He did bike racing. He went and did ice racing. This guy was pretty talented in a lot of things. So I think that's a, a guy that I really like. Um, Sebastian Vettel, who just retired, got to put him in there for sure. Uh, he was once Schumacher retired, he was the guy to beat, and he made Red Bull into the powerhouse team they are now. I don't think we're talking about Red Bull being this this team everyone wants to race for, unless it was. Uh, for what Sebastian Vettel did uh, kind of in the earlier days of that team, uh, getting all those championships. Number three, I'm going to have to go with Fire and Senna, mentioning him again. It seems like we've lost some of racing's greatest drivers um, early due to deaths. Uh, Dale Earnhardt, NASCAR, and of course, Arn Senna in 1994 on a weekend that was terrible for F1. There was another driver who died and very close to losing a third driver. That's how rough that weekend was. But he went out there so naturally gifted, uh, didn't go out there and break any like wins records or championship records, but he was someone that everyone really wanted to beat. And I think from a natural skill perspective, it was hard to beat him. Number two, Michael Schumacher, who was number one for so long. Uh, this is the guy that I think he was the first driver I hated to watch. And I wanted to cheer against him because he was so dominant in those Ferrari heydays back in the early 2000s and uh it's uh he was the first seven-time champion uh first to hit 90 wins uh absolutely dominant in the early 2000s and uh, it's, it's kind of sad that unfortunately he hasn't been able to watch uh his son race uh in a, at the track uh due to his injuries but uh, again one of the greatest of all time but the greatest is lewis hamilton uh i hated to see him kind of lose that that eighth potential championship because I don't think he's going to win one again. I think like last year was probably his chance to do it. And, uh, but he's, he's, he's lost two championships by just like single digit points, which like, think about that. He could be at nine championships right now. If just something went his way in those two years, uh, to me, Lewis Hamilton is the greatest, uh, F1 driver of all time. And I hope when he retires, he turns to sports guy race, but uh, that's my starting line. All right. That's good. Well said, well argued. And, uh, someone who I'm definitely one of those like annoying people that, got into F1 more recently because of the Netflix show, but hey, what can you say? It just happened. Uh, so I'm not going to pretend I'm an expert, though. I'm not going to be one of those people, but obviously a year ago, I wouldn't, or two years ago, maybe three years ago, I wouldn't have known who some of those drivers were that you mentioned, but now I do, of course, because I'm following it. It's fun. So that's the first edition of the starting lineup, and that is the first edition of Puck Pooley's Complete. We'll be coming out every Tuesday for you with fantasy advice. Thank you so much, Stephen. I love having you back as a co-host with me. Thank you to Nick Alberga for giving us your valuable time, and we'll be back next week with another episode.